Thank you for joining the ESBC Betting and Financial Podcast. That if you listen to us and you listen to our guidance, you are way up. So we started the, the horse racing podcast with myself and Raider Jim, passed the torch to First Report and Raider Jim. And now the torch have been passed to myself and Jake now. No re. I'm still getting now. Re. Now, now re. Re. You're close enough. <laughs> <laughs> now re. Uh, better than I know his last name is man. Got gotten to know him real quick, and man, he works in the horse racing industry. He loves to bet, and, and he's a graduate from the University of Louisville. Second graduate of the University of Louisville. We have we had uh, Pastor Finley. When he, and we had a great podcast about what's going on in Louisville as far as Brianna Taylor and as far as social justice and civil unrest. So uh, he's a graduate of the University of Louisville, Dr. Uh, Pastor Finley, and that's a great podcast that I encourage everybody to listen to. And now we have the greatness of the University of Louisville. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Pleasure, pleasure to be on again. Absolutely. My pleasure to have you. We're going to have you every week to talk about the sport of Kings, the way we've been doing so. Now, we've been promising you maximum security, A to Z, a, a true crime timeline, uh, using public records and newspaper articles. We're actually going to deliver that next week. However, this week, we're gonna talk about, uh, we're gonna go, I love going macro to micro. So from a macro perspective, we're talking, we're gonna talk about the handles, uh, in the big races, uh, how the money is handled digitally, as Jake has insight in that. He works in the industry. And then we'll narrow it down to Bob Baffert. We'll talk a little bit about Bob Baffert, Baffert, and then we'll finish talking about the Preakness. And Jake has kindly uh, offered to provide us with the top four horses. Do so you have food for thought on who's going to win and how to monetize the Preakness? All right. So first we'll start uh, uh, the macro uh, side of it. Uh, how much were the handles uh, in the previous uh, Triple Crown races? And tell us how the money kind of moves around uh, off track to on track and the time that it takes for lines to change. Yeah, I guess I guess I'll start here with uh, so the Kentucky Derby this year, as well as a lot of. I mean, that's that's a big. That's one of the. That's probably the biggest race in the United States, uh, right? Besides the other two legs of the Triple Crown, but Kentucky Derby takes the cake there. Uh, handle is way down this year, and I think it's it's a very big part of that is um is going to be the, the pandemic we're all in right now. Right. We're all dealing with. Obviously, Churchill Downs. They didn't allow any fans on track, which. Last year was about 150,000 people. So wow. you can imagine 150,000 people that were there. There, If you're at the race, you're going to be betting. So that's 150,000 less people that are betting. Now, um, and yeah, you, yeah, go, yeah. what's up? Yeah, not, not to interrupt you, and I apologize for that. But no, 150,000 people, uh, let's say, I would say the average, you know, some, some people are going to bet 100 grand, some people are going to bet $20. So I would bet that 100, 150,000 people, the average bet would be about $1,000. 
it, it really depends, you know. I mean, like you said, there's some big betters, and then there's college kids like like how I was when I was in school when I was throwing two dollar two dollar win bets out there just to have some fun. <laughs> right. But uh, no, I mean, you got to. I'll put this into perspective for all you guys. Um, thirty thirty million dollars was uh about about around thirty million dollars was the on track handle last year at, during the Kentucky Derby, uh, for that race, and that's. This year they weren't. There was no fans there, so that's about thirty million dollars right there. Right, that aren't wasn't bet on that race. Right, and that's 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 those. So those hundred fifty thousand people, whether it's really rich people betting and strategizing, or it's just yeah. drunk people in the infield, like like I used to be in in college, and a lot of people are. Right, it's it's just that's thirty million dollars of drunk bets that that didn't go through. So that, that's one way to look at it. So they really took a big hit there. Um. So yeah, that handle was down for the Kentucky Derby race was down 52% from last year. Uh, last year's race was 165 and a half million. This year they sniffed barely sniffed 79 million. So that, that's a big drop off, and that's due to due to COVID. I think people people at home they there's it's not a big event when no one's there. You know, it's right. it's it's tough for the non the casual horse fans to just throw the race on and make. And maybe they were watching it, but they weren't betting on it. They didn't want to go through that trouble to download an app or get an AD, uh, use an ADW and bet on it. So I think they took a big hit because of COVID there. Big hit because of COVID. And the other part of it is the culture in the event. I know uh, different places that I've lived in, in the Tampa Bay area and in the San Diego area, uh, the first day is, you know, it's almost like the first day for baseball. But horse racing is different, right? Because you have all the women dressing up, guys oh, yeah. dressing up. And yeah, it's, it's an event. event. Oh, yeah. The whole, the whole week itself of Derby Week leading up to it, the city of Louisville is – it's shut down, basically. It's, it's, a, it's a holiday, you know what I mean? It's, it's my favorite holiday. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact of the Kentucky Derby Day is an event. People dress – you got to go out and you buy, you buy yourself a nice suit. Girls buy a nice dress, a big fancy hat. They make a thing out of it. So I think without having that culture around this year, it's, it was tough for a lot of people. No, and it, it was especially tough for me because uh, one of the ways that I connect with my father-in-law is through horse mm -hmm. Right. So when the Kentucky yeah. Derby or there's a big race, um, I would send him, you know, the tip sheet and say, hey, dad, what, what are your picks, you know? Yeah. And, um, that didn't happen this year. He's in a nursing home, can't see him. So I know that a lot of that happened, right? And the Brianna yeah. Taylor thing in Louisville could not have helped either. No, that, that was another issue. I mean, they, they had some protests around the track because they knew there was some national coverage. Where they were all peaceful, and they, they did the right thing. I think they handled that very well. I don't think that necessarily affected the betting on it, but right. it was definitely something that they had to be cautious of, uh, which I think partially they were, they were supposed to have limited fans, but I think part of that – fear of protests and some anything that like anything happening there was the reason why they said, you know what, no fans at all. So I think that was another big, big factor that could be factored in. Yeah. I, I would say like 5% because I know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't make it a huge one, but it's definitely something. About 5% of uh, horse betters are African-American. So the hit would have been in that percentile range. Yeah. Um, and how did the Belmont stakes do? compared to last year. Belmont was down as well um, with the 
let me see. I don't. Let me see if I can find some of those exact numbers. Um, but the Belmont was lower as well too. Uh, yeah, so the Belmont was lower. The handle was lower. And all of the bets done electronically. So if you can explain what the difference is between on track and off track betting and how it's handled. Yeah. So so the Belmont Stakes had a handle of sixty seven point seven million this year. Uh, that was definitely lower than the 2019 handle of 102 million. So, yeah. So everyone took it. Racing has been taking a hit during this time with no fans. It's, it's a big part of it. Yeah. So speaking of that, like we can go into this where the on track off track difference is the way that you could differ, differentiate that is if a track is placed with a teller at the track, it is considered on track, obviously. If the bet is placed on an ADW or uh, a TVG, a betting app or a betting website, it's considered off track. And the way it works is all that money coming in, whether it's in tra- on track or off track, it gets pooled into the, the type of bet type pools. So when the win bet has a pool, the show bet has a pool, the place bet has a pool, the exacta trifectas, they all have their own separate pools. And all that money, when everyone's betting, they're placing their bets, that money that they bet in goes into that pool. And that's how the odds are changing, which we can go into as well, where it's the paramutual wagering. It's not fixed odds. You don't lock it. If I get a horse in at 10 to 1, it might go off at 3 to 1 because people are betting it more. So that's depending how much money is coming in, that's how the odds are changing on those horses. Got it. And that number is not locked in until the gates open. And that race is off. So that's where a lot of people don't realize that a lot of beginning better beginner right. betters will say, "Hey, what, what the hell? I got, <laughs> I got this horse at twenty to one, and it it's only paying me on three to one." And it's like, well, that's paramutual wagering. That's and that's the whole difference between fixed odds and param, uh, paramutual wagering. Got it. Now, now that makes a hundred percent more sense. And now I know that how instinctually for whatever reason i always like to bet right at the last minute yeah and that's what a lot of people do yeah because you kind of make yourself a little more aware of what the payout's going to be right exactly exactly very interesting and that leads us to the guy who wins a lot and a lot of people like me a lot of people uh who are not as versed in horse racing as you are what we do is we bet the jockey and or we bet the trainer and a, a guy that's made a lot of news, right? He's the trainer of Authentic. He's a trainer of Maximum Security, right? And yeah. uh, two things with Bob Baffert, right? I want, to, I want to know your thoughts on Bob Baffert. And I want to know your thoughts on something that really as a novice, we've mentioned on the podcast before. And I, I even started betting it a little bit. And I'm like uh, three out of four using the strategy. And it's... When, when a trainer like, uh, you know, like Baffert or Doug O'Neill, somebody like that, if they'll stack a race. I'll see them at Del Mar or whatever. And uh, there's seven horses and four of them are Doug O'Neill horses. I'm like, there has to be a strategy. Somebody's sending a pick for somebody somewhere. <laughs> or then you'll have Baffert. Baffert will have, you know, eight horse race and Baffert has five of the horses. I'm like, there's got to be some strategy in that with so much money involved. I could be wrong. What, what are your thoughts, Jake? 
I mean, there could be. I'm to be honest with you, I, I don't know why they why would they do that. But right. I, and if I was to make an educated guess, I it's it's not necessarily Baffert's choice. It's those owners from those horses saying, "Hey, we want my horse to race in this race." So I think that's another big part of it is these owners want to see their horse race in a certain level or the, and the trainer, Bob Baffert in this case, he's telling them, Hey, I think this horse can, can win in, the, in this, this class of a race. And this, I think he can hold up in this. So it's, it's, it's whatever's best for that horse and where they think they can win. Now, right. Bob Baffert putting four horses in one race. So it's basically competing. It's all his barn. So they're all kind of like a team, but the owners aren't a team. They, they're, one horse wins. They're not all making money. It's if their horse wins. So, to me, I guess so I would as, look at okay. In my opinion, so yeah. One owner that owns four horses, and Bob Baffert's a trainer. Maybe I can raise an eyebrow. But if it's four different owners, yes, probably nothing going on. Yeah, if it's four different owners, it's kind of in my opinion, it's a little sketchy on Baffert's part saying, "Hey, sorry, everyone, compete. I win. And I have a better chance of making some money on this because I get a percentage <laughs> of the purse." Right. But you guys, sorry. So that's a little sketchy in my opinion. But I don't yeah, think – can't lose. I, I don't – to be honest, I've never seen myself where a, a trainer has put four different owners' horses in a race like that. I think right. if he's going to do it, it's going to be all from the same owner so or the same syndicate. So right, that's right. kind of my knowledge. But I, I've never really personally noticed that. So it's, it's kind of – it's kind of glad you point that out. I'll, I'll be here to look for that more. <laughs> yeah, and we'll look at it when we'll see one. And uh, we'll post a link in the episode notes. And we can all have fun together because, uh, especially horse racing, it's been really a lot of fun. The, the fan engagement and some fans have given us winners too. So between the fans and us, you're 100 percent up. And, and what overall, what are your thoughts on Bob Baffert? I like him. I mean, he's a good, good. Seems like a great guy. Great head of hair. I mean, he knows how to win. Uh, he he knows how to win. He he just produces great horses. I mean, he's got he's had American Pharaoh triple crown justify triple crown i mean it's just it's it's his record his track record is just unbeatable oh. um and he's got he i mean he's in the preakness coming up on saturday he's got thousand words um and then he's got authentic as well running in there so he's got two good horses in there that i think have a good chance of coming in i mean thousand words was also supposed to, they were both authentic obviously won the kentucky derby and then uh um thousand words he was he was also going to be a, a derby runner he was a contender until he had a late scratch when he jolted up in the paddock and they had to scratch right, him that's the one got it yeah but i mean he, he just know he always has a couple horses in these big races and he they're always competitive they're always looked at as winner they could be winners i mean we can look like i said we were talking about his track record he's won the preakness seven times in his career Jeez. and th three of them are in the last 10 years so the last one, the winner for him was Justify, Triple Crown winner. And then American Pharaoh was the 2015. And then looking at Lucky in 2010. Wow. So he's all – those three horses right there are show you, hey, he know, he's doing something right. He's, he knows how to train horses. There's so no I doubt think, about that. Yeah, I mean, I just think you, when you hear Bob Baffert, like I think everyone knows Bob Baffert just because just he's always in the limelight. He's always – seems like he's in the winner's circle. So now, he's, been he's a lot well of known. And and I'll ask you this last question, then we'll get into the preakness. What are your thoughts on the preakness and your four the four horses you're you're telling us to seriously consider? Now there's yeah. been a lot of controversy with Bob Baffert. 
Uh, there's been a lot of spike horses around Bob Baffert. But you know the game better than I do. Um, I know in Del Mar, there's, just, there's a thousand people that are surrounded to work the track, right? Yeah. It's a very tight-knit community, very animal-loving uh, community. Uh, however, uh, he's been suspended a couple times down here in Southern California. Uh, a couple horses, you know, the testing standards in the horse race. We'll talk all about this next week. Yeah. It's, it's suspect. But let me ask you this about Bob Baffert, because from my uneducated view from the outside, I would think of maybe a guy you know well, right? Rick Pitino, or I remember the Bobby Bowden days where you have the head coach, right, of a huge program. He doesn't know what's going on in the whole chain from the time <laughs> they recruit the guy to, to get the guy in. Uh, you don't know. Uh, it used to be the big thing, right, where Mark Rick, who ended up being uh, I'm dating myself, but be, ended up being a phenomenal head coach. Georgia had a, great, a lot of great teams in Georgia. But when he was offensive coordinator at Florida State, he was famous for not telling Bobby Bowden anything about the game plan. <laughs> they won a lot yeah. of games. So Bobby Bowden's the head coach, and he's hugging the players, and he's around them, but he doesn't know everything that's going on all the time with the horse. Is it like that for Doug O'Neill or Bob Afford, or are they more hands-on? I think it is in a sense. I mean – Bob Baffert trains a lot of horses at the same time. So obviously he's not, he, he might be training a horse in Arkansas when he's actually in uh, California. So, right. I mean, he, it's his stable and he's got people working under him. So obviously they all communicate and he's the top of the food chain. But yeah, I think, I think there's a little bit of a sense in that where he might not know everything that's going on. He might not know every single detail of every horse he has. I'm sure he's got a spreadsheet with the most up-to-date stuff. And, but but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's hard to keep track of that much stuff going on with that many horses. Right. But I will say, yeah. these horses, these, uh, these uh, I guess, these, these controversies and these, these incidents that he's had, they're big-name horses. So, obviously, Bob Baffert's a little more in the, in the know with these big horses, these, right. these, famous, these more famous ones, you could say. Right. So, that's where you kind of can say, well, did he not know? So, that's, that's kind of my opinion on that. Right. And – um, we'll, we'll end it with this real quick. I love, I love this. And we'll have a lot next week's podcast is going to be really good. Cause there's, I was going to say, of, I could talk about controversy of, of the doping of horses all day, man. There's so many, there's so many different angles you can go toward it. So <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a fun podcast next week. Uh, just the money, right? Cause, uh, we lean towards the financial here. Uh, at the end of the day, we are the CNBC. We're the Bloomberg. We're the Fox business, the sports betting. So maximum security, how much is that horse worth now? Because at one point it was a $12,000 horse. Yeah. Um, it's one. It, they bought it for $12,000 and it's one. Hold on. It's one a damn sure more a lot than that. It's total earnings are $12 million, a little over $12 million that horse has earned. And they bought it for 12,000. So that, Maximum security is a prime example of you never really know what can happen with these horses. People buy, people will spend millions of dollars on a horse that never even raced yet. Right. You can also get a horse like this for 10, 12 grand and it could be an, it could be a gem. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's Bob, a prime example of that. Yeah. And Bob Baxter can wash his hands of the horse, right? 
Excuse me. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll, no, I'll do a verdict, right? You know, um, rush to judgment was the whole thing with the OJ thing. And you got to have all the evidence in before you can make a decision. So we'll have all the evidence in next week. But just a knee-jerk reaction would be, that's a $12,000 horse that Jason Service spiked. And that's worth $12 million, right? But we don't know. We'll, we'll leave that as a cliffhanger for next week. <laughs> I like, <laughs> we I like know, it, yeah. yeah. We just know that Maximum Security is a $12 million horse now. So what are your thoughts on the Preakness? So I like the Preakness coming up here. I like, I think the field's great. There's 11 horses. It's a small, little smaller field, but I think it's going to be great. It's a million dollar purse race. Uh, right. That's a, that's a good chunk of change there. It's a one and three sixteenth miles on the dirt track. So it's going to, it's, it's one of the triple crowns. I mean, you can't, it's hard not to be excited about a triple crown race. <laughs> no, so in Baltimore. Yeah. I like Baltimore. It's a great city. Uh, I, I'd love to go to, I, I, I still have yet to be to, to go to Pimlico, but that's on the list. Uh, that's, oh, that's one of them on absolutely. the list. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, there, there's some great horses running in this race. We got the Kentucky Derby winner, Authentic, uh, who definitely upset the field in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, so he'll be racing there. Um, we got the third place Kentucky Derby finisher, Mr. Big News also. He's looking to improve his spot here. And then I think Max Player uh, and New York Traffic, who finished fifth and eighth in the, in the Classic, I think they're going to be a nice, uh, a nice competition for these horses. Um, I don't. I mean, it's the way that you look at these pat. You look at the the sheets and the past performances on all these horses. You can make. You can almost make an argument for every every horse this wow. race. I mean, it's going to be a good tough one. It's a, It's going to be a tight one. I mean, we got Art Collector and a thousand words. They haven't run. They didn't run in the Derby. Um, which was a little bit ago, um, but they they really I think they do have a chance to kind of be challenging and challenge a field here. Art Collector's track record is awesome, uh, and then Thousand Words he won the Shared Belief Stakes in August. That's the one that fell. That's a Bob Baffert horse that fell in the Derby. He was supposed to run, but he never did because he he had a late scratch there. So I think I think that that extra time off and he he's back to back to full health. I think mean, I think he's gonna be he's gonna be ready to rock. Um, there's another horse here, uh, Live Your Beast Life. Very competitive, uh, a great name too. I think that, I love the name. Yeah, very competitive uh, in the Jim Dandy Stakes. He finished second there in early September, and then right behind him, another horse in this race, Jesus, uh, Jesus's team or Jesus's team. Yeah, Jesus's Jesus team. I think uh, finished right. third in that Jim Dandy Stakes. So those horses are also going to be up there. I mean, I think it's going to be a very tight fast-paced race i think um my my favorite horse in this race which i'll get into my top horses here i, I picked four out that i think are my my top nice. ones and i might i might try and play some exotics and different different yeah. uh selections there but i like swiss skydiver i love this horse it's a great filly uh a trainer is kenny mcpeak i love the guy great guy um just great horse here swiss skydiver she's a filly she can hang with the boys. I, and let me tell you, she can hang with them. Uh, she, she's going to try and be the first Philly to win the Preakness here, which hasn't happened since 2009. And, uh, Josh, do you know who the – little quiz for you here. Do you know who the last Philly was to win the, the Preakness? Oh, man, I should know this because I watched the race. In uh, 2009, it was Rachel Alexandra. Yes. Yeah. So Swiss Skyder has has a chance to be the next Philly to to win that uh to win the Preakness here. Uh she finished second in the Oaks and it was that was her I think that was her best race in her career. Um up up now she she posted a 109 speed figure there which was nice. And then I just think 
she's ready to go. She's improved in every race, I think. And with she's got some rest since the Oaks. Okay. And I think Swiss yeah, Skydiver. Right. Yeah, I think Swiss Skydiver is going to be my number one horse I'm playing here. Um, the next one, I'm going to go with Art Collector. I think Art Collector is a great one. He's one of my uh, he was one of my picks in the Derby behind Tis the Law, but then he ended up not racing. He was oh. he was scratched because he had a heel injury. Got it. So Art Collector's got some more rest too as well. I think this horse is well rested. Has had some really good workouts, um, and I think that's going to give him an edge here on Saturday. Um, <clears throat> Art, uh, I think this horse also giving him an edge. Art Collector. He's won. Uh, he's won four straight races um, in, since May that he's been in. So he, he's got a winning record right now. He's he's been he's on fire. Um, that one, and then the two two of those races, the Bluegrass Stakes in July, and then the Ellis Park Derby, which are two big. Uh, I think those are some great Grade One races. Um, the next horse I like here, I'm going to go with Authentic. Authentic is the Kentucky Derby winner, Bob Baffert horse, and he's coming into the morning line favorite for this race. Um, and my gut, but my gut tells me that I don't think he's going to be in the first place. I think there's going to be an upset here coming Saturday. I definitely think he's going to be in the top of the pack, but I don't think he's going to get the number one spot. In the right. last we 10... talked about this on yesterday's podcast. Yeah. The favorites uh, win max, uh, you know, and you said it depends on the, on the class and the type of race, but it really, yeah, there's a lot of components. 20, 30%, right? Where yeah. The, where the, the favorite only wins 20 to 30%. So you always got to look, Okay, who is who's your second choice? Who do you like, right? And that's where these exotic bets come in, where you can you can almost bet them, and then the pl win place and show. That's the beauty. You could bet a horse to come in second. You can bet a horse to come in third. You know, right? So here's a little stat for you as well to kind of back up my upset, my my feeling of an upset. In the last ten Preakness Stakes, the Kentucky Derby winners have only won four when they run in the when they run in the Preakness. So beating the Kentucky Derby winner is definitely possible here. <laughs> right, um, the whole Art Sherman thing, right? And yeah. He wants that if you race in the Kentucky Derby, you have to race in the Belmont and the Preakness. You have to do all three, right? You can't have fresh horses because uh, Chrome, right? California Chrome got beat by a fresh horse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, so I love your, so your fresh horse strategy. I, I think I think a well-rested horse is going to really – I think these, these well-rested kind of more time off, these horses with the more time off are really going to show up here, I think, this, this weekend. And then my last horse I want to talk about, which I, I think it's kind of a little of a little wild factor here. I think this one might sneak away with it, is Pneumatic. Pneumatic is a Steve Asmus, uh, Asmussen uh, tra uh, trained by him. And this guy's won his first outing in February uh, when he first started racing this year, and he's continued to mature and improve each race he's raced in. Wow. So he doesn't have he's, – he's one of the younger horses here. He doesn't have as much experience, but his, his track record shows he can definitely hang with the big boys. Um, he, so in April, when he started to stretch his distance out in his, in his races, he started out short and he started to stretch it out. Um, he, he raced in a mile race in the grade three Matt Wynn Stakes. And then he also raced in a mile and an eighth, and then he placed fourth in, in the Belmont Stakes in June. So he's, he's working his way up that distance, and I think I really think that he's going to be ready for the Preakness here with the mile and three sixteenths. Um, his speed figures also, we can look at his speed figures. They've, he's improved each race, so I expect him to continue to keep that trend moving and keep improving. Uh, in the Pegasus Stakes in mid-August that he raced in, 
he took a leap, a giant leap forward, and he posted a, a, a 113 speed figure, which is massive. Nice. And just to put that in perspective, authentic speed figure was 109 in the Derby. And wow. then Swiss Skydiver's speed figure in the Oaks was 109. So he posted 113 above that, and he's racing against the two of them in the Preakness here. So I'm excited to see. I really am. Steve, like I said, he's trained by Steve Asmussen, uh, who's won the Preakness a couple times in 2007 and 2009. So despite the pandemic this year and all the craziness, I think him and then veteran Joe, uh, veteran jockey Joe Bravo on, on the back of pneumatic can, I think he can get him, get, make, get, maybe get him a win here on, on, with a good price too. I, nice. think, I think his odds will be pretty good. Nice. Nice. I love that. I love that. I love the logic behind that. And, and, yeah. And awesome. I mean, it's, it's going to be exciting. I, I'm, I'm going to have to figure out how I'm, going to, how I'm going to play these four together, but those are my four that I think I really think have a good chance. So Nice. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So we'll finish with this. Does it make sense for me uh, to put, as a, as a novice, to put show tickets on? Because based on what you said, my mind says, all right, put show tickets on authentic, uh, pneumatic, in the Philly you're talking about, Swiss Skydiver. Swiss Skydiver. Yeah, you could. You could you could play show bets on them, and if they come in third, second, or first, you're winning a little bit of money. Nice. And then what I'd, I'd recommend if you're play, – play an exacta box, which is you could pick first and second place horses, and if you box it, it's in any order. So they can be in any order. Right. And put, pick like three or four horses and put them in there. So then you have a chance of – you could pick three horses to come in first or second in any order. And I think that will give you a good chance too. Nice. That's awesome. And, and um, I'll, I'll make sure you have the link. And you uh, see this podcast we did with Tim Conley Jr. where he talked about okay. that he learned math. <laughs> and he has a great joke about the exact box. That he learned math at the track. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, these old-time horse players are my favorite. I can go – Every time I go to a track, I can I can sit and watch and talk to these guys all day. They're the, the brightest characters. They're 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 hilarious and I'm, they're they're characters. And there's something yeah. you only you only see at a track. So yeah, there's always and, something to learn from these guys. Yeah, and Rob Ryder had just died, and he said, you know, his dad Tim Conway Jr., Tim Conway and Carol Burnett. So when Albert Brooks's wife died, what kept mm-hmm. him alive was going with uh, Rob Ryder to the track. Yeah, and, and just having that camaraderie and that culture, man. It's fun fun to talk, and I'm, I'm glad I'm learning about it. And Man, we've been lucky, fortunate, and good to get phenomenal people. Jake's phenomenal, man. Thanks, man. You're on it, man. No, I, I appreciate for the invite, and I, I love talking horses. So whenever you want, whenever you have questions, if anyone does, reach out. I love talking. I could do it all day. Yeah, yeah, and, and the number for the podcast is 858-863-6501. You're welcome to leave a voicemail or to send a text there. And uh, Jake and I are very accessible. And all the horse yep. racing stuff will go to Jake. And then uh, every 3 p.m. West Coast, 5 p.m. Central Time, uh, we'll spend some time uh, breaking down the horse racing industry. And I'm learning it as we go. So I can learn with the audience. And then the experts can come in and chime in. And we can all have a good time uh, learning and sharing about the horse racing industry uh last words jake good luck everyone uh 
bonus chance. It's it's going to be a fun race on Saturday. I hope the weather stays nice and let's let's hope to cash some tickets. I mean, that's what everyone's here for. So let's do it. Yes. And you, if you listen to us, you will be up. And we always close Winston Churchill. You make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. We always give free picks and, we, and it's always at a higher level than what you can pay for out there. Thank you for listening to the ESBC um, Betting and Financial Podcast. I'm the best there is.